0: Welcome, everyone, to a very, very special edition of the podcast today. As always, before we get into it, some very quick housekeeping... Make sure you follow me on Instagram, at Felix.Levine. I post little clips of all my episodes when they drop. Um, you'll see all the future guests that are coming on the show, and it's a it's a great way for us to uh, to interact. I've gotten a, a bunch of really cool DMs recently. Um, so I really appreciate all your guys' uh, feedback and and support. So please uh, follow me on there. And then if you want to watch the episodes YouTube, search my name, Felix Levine. There you'll find everything in its full video formats uh website, felix-levine.com, if you're interested in that. There's also my email on there, so if you want to contact me, uh, I get some I get some funny ones every so often, so uh, please make sure you, you do that, because I love hearing from you guys. And my guest today, we are recording this live from Glasgow, Scotland. He is one of the brightest and funniest comedians in the game today, and he is the host of the super popular Have a Word podcast. Please welcome the hilarious and insightful Adam Rowe. And we're live. Adam, uh, thank you so much, genuinely thank you so much for for taking the time. No, thank you very much for having us, I'm glad we could make it work. I mean, for people that are listening out there, so I've never been to Scotland in general, and I was going, I'm visiting my best friend uh, Joseph in St. Andrews later today, and I was going to be there 10 days, but this, I'm very happy that we overlapped right here and we made it happen. Yeah, sometimes things just work out, don't they? They just work out, and we're in a beautiful studio, shout out to Glasgow Podcast Studio. Um... But I told you before we got started, little tidbit, little story for the masses out there that maybe don't listen to your show or now they're going to listen to your show after listening to you here. Um, what does the world not really know about Adam Rowe? So,
1: as I said to you before we started recording, it's quite hard for me to, because of the amount of hours of podcasting I've done with our show, have a word. There is so much about me out there that I can't really think of anything no one knows. Right. But I think... And I don't know, obviously, a lot of your listeners are going to be from the States, so they won't even necessarily know these stereotypes. But in the UK, someone with my accent, a working class lad from Liverpool in England, and who acts like I do and has sort of become a comma. I think there's two things they would never expect from me. First of all, I was studying maths at university and I dropped out to do stand-up. Wow. Okay. And I'm a huge fan of musical theatre.
0: Interesting. Right, well, I think let's that do- that as a as a as, a, as a trifecta of a of a personality, I think is yeah. quite rare. So so, maths was always your your thing for a long
1: time. Yeah. So I was just when I was really, really, really young, I was just good at it. Like I just got it. Anything to do with mathematics, I was just
0: all oh, the calculus and the this
1: everything. Oh, a teacher would go, "Here's how you do it," and I'd be like, "Right, uh, I know what I'm doing."
0: So it was just, it was just in. Oh you're a cunt because I'm terrible at math.
1: It was, I was shit at everything
0: else. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough.
1: Um, but it just, it was almost like. I just knew i got kn- it. It was just. If so it, people
0: thought you were like the little wizard of the class.
1: Yeah. So, like, <laughs> in, in, and even later on in school. So, when I was in really little school, right. Um, me and a friend of mine, actually, Josh, who I'm still friends with now. I'm talking, we've been friends since we were four years old. Shout early. out to Josh. Um, we. Whenever the the class was doing mathematics, we'd be
0: pulled out and sent into a. different... Oh, so yeah, we're like the gifted kids.
1: Yeah, and but the school had never had this before. <laughs> this is a shit, this is a small school <laughs> on a council estate. In, That's impressive. Yeah, and then I because I was that good at it, you sort of you listen to your teachers and your parents and your uncles and your grandparents, and they drill into yeah, This is what you want to do. You want to be a mathematician. You want to be an accountant or an actuary or something to do with maths. I just repeated it. It was like Stockholm syndrome of this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And I got a week into being in university. And I was just like, what am I going to do with my life? If I I get this degree, if I finish this degree, what am I going to do? And am I going to be happy with it? And I'd been doing comedy for a year, just like open mics and whatever. And I knew I wanted to pursue that. So I went to my dad and was like, look... Because he was so proud, I was the first kid in the family to go to university, and he was really happy with it. And I felt like I was almost like breaking up with someone. Yeah. You know that anxiety when you know you've got to break up? Yeah. So I went, Dad, look, I know you're proud and you've always wanted me to go to uni, but I'm leaving. Yeah. And he goes, for comedy? I'm like, yeah, he goes, right, okay. And I was like, I just want a decade. Let me give comedy a decade. Let me give it 10 years. And then I'll still be in my twenties. And I, if I've fucked up, I can fix it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll still be young enough to go back to uni and get the degree and start my life at 31, 32 uh, as a thing, but let me give this a decade. And he was like, look, do whatever is gonna make you happy. And he was dead sound about it, and I dropped out. And we're now twelve years later,
0: eleven years later. Then I think you're doing and, pretty and I think yeah, you're doing it, pretty it well. It feels like
1: it was a good call.
0: <laughs> but that, I mean, that's uh... So they thought you were like a little Einstein.
1: Yeah. It wasn't like genius level stuff. But like I was, so I know, I don't know whether, in the States, I think you have A plus, don't you? So there's you have, A and then A plus. Yeah. It's uh, also A minus. Yeah. Yeah. More or right. less. So we don't have that here. We have uh, F through to A, just as the letters. Yeah. And then there's also A star, which is like okay. above 90% of the exam. Yeah. Um. I was sort of told off. I got in trouble with my school because at GCSE I only got an A. Damn, because they were like banking the on fuck? they were like banking on me to drag the school's average up, mm. and they were like, "You've <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck?" Adam? I was just always Eight. good at it, and but I didn't yeah. revise for the exam. Oh, you're one of those kids. Nah, fuck you. Because you know that's at GCSE, that... and I just I, I oh. idled through it. I was always good academically. I just I just didn't care enough.
0: Interesting. Have you seen that any of like that kind of knowledge has translated still into your into your life today, in ways that you you see that it manifests?
1: Um I'm quite good at noticing patterns because mm. patterns inherently are mathematical. Right. So like if I can sort of see something as trending a certain way in terms of like, for example, the way the comedy industry works, like I will go, Oh, when people are doing that, they're having success. And when they're doing that, they're not. Mm. So don't do that and do that. That's interesting. I think that comes from a mathematical mindset. It's what is getting results? What statistically is getting results? And statistics at a level was something I really excelled at. So and I was sort of obsessed with it, and I'm still partly obsessed with it
0: now. What's getting results? What isn't? Well, you know it's, what I think is kind of interesting, and I've only literally been around you for about ten minutes now. Is just in some of the different things that we've talked about off air. I think that you are very um, reasonable and ca- calculated in a yeah. way, in a way, and self aware. And I think that that's like something that you know for for your listeners they might already know that, but for someone kind of getting introduced to you, it's. Uh, you're very, I think you seem very honest with yourself about where you're at in your career. And I think that that is probably, I mean, I think that that might be one of the most important aspects as you continue to grow. And why I think you've had the success that you have is that, you know, it seems like you know when to do things.
1: Yeah, I think I've been quite lucky is maybe not the right way, no. but I don't know of a, a, a different one. I, I think I've made... And especially with the podcast we do, we've made good decisions at the right time, right? But we we didn't know it was the right time to make it at the time, so you've got to give a little bit of that to look, but it's also a calculated yeah. gamble on the look. Um, like we bought, we made the f- as far as I'm aware, the UK's first purpose built podcast studio for one
0: single podcast. It's crazy in July of 2020. And for people listening out there that haven't listened to, to your podcast yet, that will after this, certainly. You've only been doing it for about two. And January twenty twenty, we launched. That's impressive, man. And then,
1: when the the first lockdown hit in March, we went. We said as a joke initially, if the UK goes into lockdown, this was like two two weeks before the lockdown. If the UK goes into lockdown, we'll do an episode every day. <laughs> and then, when we went into lockdown, our, we had like two thousand listeners at the time. They were like. So we're doing this every day. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to do it. So we took Sundays off, but Monday through Saturday, every day we put an hour episode out, roughly.
0: Wow, um, it's weird. It's a blessing in disguise. This this lockdown. Do you know what? This feels awful to say because of all yeah, the death. Yeah, yeah. The pandemic has really
1: helped yeah. my career. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm sorry <laughs> to have lost really no. her grandma, but you know, <laughs> she paid for she the sack of- I
0: bought a couple of hours ago. <laughs> nice ones too. Some new pair of Jordans I saw. Them. Um, that's hilarious. But it's true. Ju- I mean, and it, it's funny because... Especially with the comedians I've noticed mm-hmm. I think Schultz And you know Schultz is, is someone One of the first people Actually when I Was introduced to you Um Cause you went on uh, Flagrant 2 Yes And And that's more of like The US Scene Um Is Like He's also another one of those comics That during COVID You know I think He took it to another level well, Yeah he's And like, he was good before And I was I was a huge fan before But I think Now, he also did a few different little segments and whatnot, but it's like, I think it's so interesting how some of these comedians, and I think creators in general, like they use that time to take things to another level, and I think you're a good example of it as well.
1: Yeah, so Schultz knows this. We've become friends over the past couple of years, um, but he's a huge inspiration to me and a lot of other comedians around the world. Like he, what he's done with a failing comedy industry who were refusing to acknowledge the most creative talent in the world,
0: right?
1: he's just knocked every door down. 100%. Um, and, you know, what What he's done with his podcast, with his social media work, with his YouTube work, and eventually putting it on Netflix. He And he gives it away to the comics. And yeah. we're trying to mimic that. We have yeah. a word. So we decided very early on that every inch of success we have as a podcast and we're trying to grow it into a big network, we were going to share it with the comedians we love. Like if we like a comic and they are going on tour, they've got a book out, they've got a special out. We will get them on. They'll promote it. We'll share everything they right. post about it. Right. That comes from his attitude. Yeah, I said very early on. So there's a famous UK comedian who I won't name just because I don't want to get in trouble. But everyone thinks he's a dick, <laughs> and any British comic <laughs> listening to this right now knows I'm no. talking about okay. immediately. And everyone who worked with him was like, oh, he's an arsehole. One of the most talented comedians of his generation, possibly of all time, but he's an arsehole. Schultz, no one talks about him that way. Anyone who knows him... So I said very early on to Dan, I was like, I want people to talk about us the way I talk about Andrew, not the way people talk about X, Mm. right? And that is a very deliberate thing because there's a... Up until a couple of years ago in the comedy industry, and I imagine this is the same in a lot of other, other industries... Everyone is competing for the same job,
0: Mm.
1: right? So let's say in the UK we have these panel shows and there's six comedians and a host. That means there is six jobs available and two of them are normally team captains, so it's actually only four jobs available. So there's four spots every week on an eight-week series, right? So there's 32 spots available and there's 500 comedians. So there's this, like, famine mentality of not supporting each other because we're all competing for the same food. Once you take that out of the way and it's not everyone competing for the same job and there's no gatekeepers and we're all just making our own stuff, there is an unlimited amount of fans out there. Like Someone can be a fan of 25 comedians and they'll go and see every single one of them on tour. So that famine mentality is gone. It's completely disintegrated because if we're making our own stuff... And I can get you on my podcast and you can get me on yours and you can share my special and I Mm -hmm. can share yours. We're all going to share each other's fans Mm -hmm. and there's nothing in the way of any of us selling the tickets and earning the living and the following that we've all been working for. And there's no one who went to the same three colleges in in this country deciding who gets to be famous anymore. It's all on comedians. Are you working hard? Are you creating your own stuff? And are you sharing that success with the people you like and respect?
0: I think... A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm not even in the comedy world and I can see that, but I think even, even deeper. So I think first of all, that's good on the mentality side, but I think what's also very interesting is if just going back to Schultz is how I think that like, when we look back in 50 or a hundred years on the self-marketing aspect of anything, I think that he, in my, in my opinion is the. Um, is the contemporary godfather of how to do it on your own. And I think like, and what he showed, I think, especially during COVID was just putting a 30 second clip of your work. Um, recording, if it's a comedian, your own special and putting it out yourself, like just, I, like, I think he's just a master at that and saying basically fuck you to the big corporations, which also was then an even bigger fuck you. I think when Netflix was probably begging him yeah. and I hope he got a fat check for that. <laughs> but I think like, it's such a, it's such a beautiful thing too, because him as a person, I think is, is just a, a brilliant human being from the people that, that we have mutually in, in contact. But, um, but I think it's also good because, like his actions then reflect on people like you and you're going to do the same and you're going to help that small comedian that you think is really deserves that limelight and I think that's the kind of snowball effect um, that that the world needs.
1: Yeah, and it's quite funny because so I've always been I've been doing comedy nearly 12 years and I've always been very self-promotion minded so from early on I would share every gig I was doing I'm gigging here, here and here this week if you want to come and see me come and see me and there was almost like a sneer from the rest of the comedy industry at a similar level. Oh, really? They were like, why are you telling on you're gigging in Derby who's going to see you and Der- why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? And now those same people yeah. want advice on how to do it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always been so strange to me. The concept of self-promotion is like a vanity thing. Like, right. it's like imagine a group of plumbers laughing at a plumber because he's advertising his plumbing business. Yeah. It's yeah, the, yeah. It's it's the exact same thing.
0: Well, you're also you're also not like, hey, I'm Adam, i the best comedian in the world. No, I am. You, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but, you're, but people that know you or listen no. to you know that you're a humble individual. Like you're doing yeah, this is your work. This is your job. You yeah, know I
1: mean? And you you just want people to come and see it, so you get better at doing it, exactly. and you get better and better and better. Um, yeah, I've I've never understood this idea that self promotion is
0: this negative thing. Right. We should all be doing it. Right. It's insane to me. Do you? So for you, was there a moment in time after you said "fuck the maths," comedy, and then after that, like you knew that things were picking up, like that? I, okay, I can do this full time. This is going to be my life.
1: Um, there's not a moment to be honest. And okay. I know, like for the story, it's, it's no, no, if it is. but like it just gradually got better. It just you gradually- got better. I got better and the income got better. Okay. So I was working part-time in bars and stuff to get by, but that actually clashes quite a lot with stand-up because the time you would be on a shift in a bar, you would also be on stage telling jokes. Right. So I was turning up late for work and having to say to the boss, look, I had a gig. I'm sorry I'm an hour late, but I'll still do the rest of the shift and whatever. And to be fair, a lot of my managers, there was a couple that weren't, but there was a lot who were very accommodating. I'm like, look, we know what you're doing. Just get back to work, whatever. Um... But it just gradually got better. So initially you're making zero. You're not even getting expenses for travelling to mm-hmm. your gigs. There's nothing. And then you slowly start getting 20 and 30 quid for a spot, and that right. pretty much covers your train or the petrol or whatever. Then you're getting 50, 70, 80, and you're making 20 pounds on right. every gig. Right. And then you start getting 100 and 150, and then it's 200 plus a hotel. But it's a very gradual process. right. And not every comedy club moves you up at the same time. Mm. So there's, you get to a point where some clubs are paying you £270 per night for a three-night run, paying for all your hotel, so you're making 600 quid for telling jokes. Right. As a 21-year-old kid yeah. for three nights work is just crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, there's another comedy club that's still only giving you 20 quid to do 10 minutes because they don't trust you enough yet to mm. headline or to do 20 minutes in the middle on the pro bill um it's a really slow process but eventually you get to the point where they're all paying you the proper
0: wage did you measure i guess when you first started working your way up was your measure of success based on how much money you were making
1: no um i just i realized very early on having dropped out of university and still being at home with me dad right. i was still living in my dad's uh, spare room say spare room it was my bedroom as a child i suppose um I, I realised very early on that I just needed to earn money as quickly as possible right. so that I could justify the decision I'd made to my dad and to eventually be able to move out and whatever. So the type of comedy I was doing for the first f- six years was not the type of comedy I do now. Right. It was the, It was the type of comedy that I thought would, and this was a subconscious thought, not a, a conscious one, was the type of comedy I knew was effective and would get big laughs and would get me moved up the ladder quickly, mm. but wouldn't necessarily garner me a fan base. Interesting. And then it changed for me in one moment sort of thing when, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts before, and I will one day remember the person who said this to me. Um. Some I was having a conversation. They said, would you pay to see yourself? would you buy a ticket to mm. see Adam Rowe? And I was like, no. And they went, so what are you doing? Why, why mm. are you doing what you're doing? You should be the comedian That's a smart you, you would pay to see. And I changed the next day. I think I went to a new material night the next night with the type of stuff I wanted to do. My style of comedy, my preferred style of comedy that I enjoy watching is very Americanized. It's mm. very opinionated. It's very sort of, I'll throw a few stories in. Over the course of an hour. But it's very much like, here's my opinion, which isn't necessarily a popular one.
0: Right. But now I'll
1: justify it with three minutes of jokes. Gotcha. So that's a very American style. There's not a lot of British comics doing that. There's a few, like Daniel Sloss will do that. Um, Kevin Bridges will do that sometimes as well. Two Scottish lads. And there's more coming through now because Netflix has sort of opened... The British audience's eyes mm-hmm. to a lot of American comedy. There's a lot of new, the new wave of new comedians have seen a lot of American comedy mm-hmm. before they're starting mm-hmm. stand up. So there's a lot more of that now, um, but still not total dominance. But that's always been my preferred style of, co- like Bill Bear, Patrice O'Neill, Chappelle. Yeah, like they, these are the comics who go, "Here's my idea, and now I'll I'll justify why I'm right." Yeah, like. It, it's the best way to do it. I, I love watching an audience go, no. And then three minutes later, they're like, I actually can't argue yeah. with anything. I'll present opinions on on stage that I haven't actually got.
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, like what's one that like you, you'll, you'll talk shit about on stage, but you don't actually really believe in. Um, So at the minute, the the second routine
1: in the first routine in my show on tour at the minute is that I think we should have let more old people die during the pandemic. Like I feel like we wasted the pandemic.
0: And so now you're trying to catch yourself up and say that you don't, you don't actually, (laughs) you don't, you don't want people to die.
1: Uh, Well, yeah, I don't don't want people to die, but I can justify that opinion. So I like to, I like to treat comedy like I'm a lawyer, right? I don't care if my client's guilty. But can I get them off?
0: Uh, That must be fun too.
1: It's amazing. Like, I don't care if this opinion's true or stands it is is mine, but can I convince an audience that it's okay anyway? Interesting. So the the jokes are the defense. (laughs) The jokes are, here's why it's funny, and here's why it's okay, and here's why I think this. Do you write things down in that se- Do you write when you... I literally don't write anything down. Everything's off the... Off- Everything's in my head. Like, I've got... Not these- even on your notes on your phone? So I will have... I can show you my notes on my phone. That's interesting. So the the notes on my phone um, will be... Where is it? So that two sentences will be like a 5 can I read the first?
0: Can I read the first sentence? Yeah. <laughs> the first it, sentence I, I, says... I it, the, the title of his note is stand-up material X. And the first sentence is anxiety is so fucking stupid. And read the next line. I got a pain in my ribs and thought I'd overdosed. On cold sore cream. Yeah. So you
1: know like hairpiece Amazing. on your lips? yeah. So I cut my lip and was convinced it was hairpiece
0: from kissing someone, right? So I
1: was... <laughs> Hammer in the cream.
0: I, Do you notice when you, when you cut your lip? Like, when, how did you cut your lip? Um,
1: so I burnt it on a coffee. So when I order coffee, I get uh, Americano, yeah. but with cold milk to cool it down. And they didn't put the cold milk in. So oh. I sort of threw it, and it went, and the lid was loose. Oh. So it goes all over me thing. Oh. And I bit me lip, and there was a, a cut on it. And then you- So I'm putting the cream on, but, I, like, I get health anxiety. So I was, like, hypochondriac. Oh, you're one of those. So I was putting, like, loads of cream on. I was like, I don't want a cold sore. <laughs> I don't want a cold sore. I don't want a cold sore. And then I got a pain in my ribs, and I was like, oh, it'll be the cold sore cream. That was my first thought. <laughs> Do you know how insane that is?
0: That's, that's insane.
1: So that, that's where that... note. I haven't actually what? tried that on stage yet. That's what? just
0: the note. Wait, let's hear... What about the anxiety is fucking stupid? I'm very curious about this.
1: Yeah, and, like... The fact that that is my first thought, the fact that there's a voice in my head who gets a pain in the ribs and goes, that will be the lip cream you've been putting on. You're mad. It's insane. So like, if I get chest pain, I'm convinced it's a heart attack, not the curry I've just had giving me heart pain and indigestion. Like, it's... I convinced myself I had multiple sclerosis a couple of weeks ago because I had a hangover.
0: Is that the worst one?
1: That's probably the worst That's one. That's
0: gotta be that's probably the worst I was like so at I, what point did you tell yourself okay maybe it's not actually that I just drink too much
1: so it's a constant battle in me brain there's the reasonable voice going you're a fucking idiot you're 22 you're not going to be having a heart attack now you don't do cocaine you don't smoke <laughs> you're not that fat like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a heart attack and then there's the other voice that's just it's going so, yeah, that's nice. what, but you never know you just never know you just never know
0: uh, you've always
1: been like this no, so my dad had a heart attack in oh, on the 13th of do. December, 2013. 2013?
0: So you were, you were how old at that point? You were?
1: Tw- I was 21. Okay, yeah. Um, and a month later, I started getting chest pain and I was just convinced it was a heart attack. And it's all stemmed from that. It's, it's really <laughs> frustrating to live with. Um, but it's better to have this than all the things I think I've got. <laughs>
0: You ever go to your doctor and tell them you think it's this, that, and the other thing? Yeah, so I went
1: with the chest. I went to the hospital. They they just go look. It's anxiety. We can give you. So they offered me beta blockers. Which that? It's a uh, medication that slows down the pump of your heart. Oh, so not your heart rate, but just the speed at which it takes the blood in and pumps it out. Right, right, right. And I was like, right. So there's nothing wrong with my heart. And they're like, no. And I was like, but you're going to give me heart medication. And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, I don't really want to fuck with the yeah. heart if so there's nothing wrong with right. it. And he was like, well, a side effect of uh, beta blockers is that it helps anxiety. So we're, we're giving you a medication that actually is for the, the heart fuck? so that you get the side effect. And I was just like, I'm good. Yeah, I'll just learn to live well with this. Weird. I don't want to fuck with your heart. Um, so I refused to take it.
0: So you just recently turned 30, yeah? Yeah, January. January what?
1: January the eleventh
0: on the twenty second. Yeah. yeah. Um. Do you feel like there's a? Do you f- people think that when they they or feel or they say that when they turn thirty it feels way different? Is that a? Do you? F- How old are you? How old do you think I am?
1: I'm not answering that question. Forty two. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> twenty two. You're young as fuck. Yeah, I'm younger.
1: Oh shit! I thought like mid twenties. I was gonna say like twenty six. You come across forty two. Old- <laughs> um. I feel like I've been 30 for five years. (laughs) I feel like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel... It feels quite exciting to me. I feel like I soup being 30.
0: Well, you're also, I think, like, from the comedians that I've had on my show, it kind of seems like a lot of them... I guess if I think about it, they kind of peaked around 35, 36. So in that way, I'm like even more excited for you because things are going well and like just even from, I'm just using anecdotal kind of evidence, but like that's also, you're still very, I mean, you're still very young in general, but even in like a comedic journey as well. Yeah,
1: totally. I think that, I'm at such a, I'm lucky to have this. I'm at such a huge advantage to every other comedian my age because I've got 12 years experience. Yeah. And most people who are 30 have got five Five, maybe. Sometimes two. Like people tend to start mid to late 20s.
0: Where do you see that the experience, I'm I'm curious, like where do you feel like the experience kind of helps you in terms of Um, the comedy The more
1: stage time you've got, as long as it's good stage time, the better you are equipped to deal with it's the same as being a professional footballer. Right. You read the game better. You read the room better. Okay. Like, if I come into a room, I know who's going to be a problem immediately, who's going to be the best <laughs> audience, where there's a problem with the room, where the Like, every gig you do, good or bad, you can learn something from. And you just learn how to... You learn how to not um, bomb as much. You learn how to turn potential bombs into wins. Yeah. And that all... The more experience you've got, the better. And also... You know who you are more as a comic. There's a great quote from Bill Bear, which is um when you first are waiting backstage to do your first gig, you know what your voice is. And then you go on stage and you lose it. Because oh. you are put into fight off like you know mm. how you've made your friends laugh for years. That's what gets you on stage in the first right. place. You're like, No, I know it's to be funny, I know it's to be funny. You go on stage and the light and there's an audience going, do it now. And you go, right. You spend the rest of your career trying to find that voice again. Interesting. On stage. You, you spend the rest of your career on stage trying to match that on stage voice to the person you are making your friends laugh in the pub, the bar, in your WhatsApp group. <laughs> the, the longer you do it, the closer you get to being you.
0: Do you feel like you're at that point now?
1: I feel like I'm a lot closer than I was five years ago. Like, a lot closer.
0: Like, how different is the Adam today that's at the pub with his with his mates to the one that's on stage?
1: So, the podcast we do has helped me a lot with this. Interesting. Because our podcast is... It's not, like, purposefully offensive, but it's two comedians trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. And our sort of idea from the start, literally from before we even started recording, was... So, my co-host, Dan Nightingale, he's been doing comedy six or seven years longer than I have, like, nearly 20 years. Um... And he was always someone I really looked up to when mm-hmm. I started. He's so good. And he's sort of now really respects me mm-hmm. and in many ways looks up to me. That's and awesome. he's he's said, like, you know, he regards me as one of the best comedians in the country. I still mm-hmm. think that of him. And when you've got two comedians of that level, who were trying to make each other laugh. If I can make Dan laugh, the people at home yeah. are going to be dying. Of course. So... There's a certain type of humor that makes comedians laugh because there's something wrong with all yeah. of us.
0: Oh, you guys are sick bastards.
1: Whenever a comedian gets in trouble for something they say on stage, yeah. I'm always like, I wish the people who were upset heard what he said yeah. three minutes before he went on.
0: <laughs> or in his group chat or the text or whatever. Yeah, because it's horrific. I know. No, I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we tried to put that backstage humor on the podcast. Interesting. And because of that, that has garnered me an audience... That will now let me do it on stage. But it's also, I think, in that it's the
0: authenticity.
1: Yeah. And And, and my stuff isn't purposely offensive either. I'm not like a shock comic. Right, It's just, I know I can get away. Like one of the... I don't want to... In case anyone sees a show, but I'll... One sentence. There was a terror attack in Liverpool just before Christmas. (laughs) I think I heard you talk about this. And one of my lines at the minute is one of my favourite things whenever there's a terror attack and then I'll just smear and leave it for 20 seconds because the audience well half of them are giggling yeah. and half of them are really worried who in their right mind has got a favourite thing about yeah. terrorism it's just an absurd stupid thing to say to just leave it yeah. to just leave that hanging and have them go tell us what yeah. you the thing thinking like there's only a certain a certain audience you can do that with right um and I feel like we've got it. So, And that is much closer to the stuff. Like, all the lads I went to school with in Liverpool... Like, I know you had um, Paddy, Paddy Pimbley on. Yeah. So Paddy's a few years younger than me, but he went to my school. Oh, really? We were in the same school. That I didn't know. Yeah, he's like three years younger. Did you know him at the time? Not like on a friendly basis. Did he have school. the hair at the time? No, he was shaved head. Oh. Um. He was just, he was just a, a lad a few years younger. Wow. Um. But... That that school and the area of Liverpool we're from, humour's a big part of everyday yeah. life and surviving school and being able to take right. a joke and give it back. Mm-hmm. Like the only way you don't get bullied in the type of school we went to is if you give it back to the bullies as good as you get it.
0: Mm. That's
1: how you get offered it. That's how you get right, the right. respect from these guys. Yeah, yeah. So the humour me and my mates have always had is the same as the one I have with comedians. Yeah, the the friends I grew up with right, right, right. are as fucked up as yeah. all the comics <laughs> I know, are. So I've never had to sort of tone. So getting back to that voice, yeah. now that I've mani- I'm getting closer. There's certain things I still say on WhatsApp that I yeah. could never say on stage or on the podcast because yeah, it's heinous. And it's not for the people listening. It's for if it ever gets clipped out of context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like. <laughs> you, it only takes someone to clear something I've said out of Switzerland yeah. and go, see what this guy said, yeah, and yeah. meant it. Yeah. And then the world goes crazy. Do you know what I mean? Um, you Scousers are nuts too. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. And we're in Glasgow. And I said to you before, yeah. Glasgow is just Liverpool in Scotland. And yeah. Liverpool is just in
0: uh, Liverpool is just Glasgow in England. You are, so you I mean you and Patty are my only two scousers that I've had. Yeah. Um, have you ever gotten into a fight? Yeah. So you never got knocked out.
1: Uh, I have scousers- been knocked
0: out once. Oh, so I thought scousers don't get knocked out.
1: So, um, see, uh, so we had Paddy on our podcast recently, and I was like, Paddy, you know, at some point if you get knocked out, that's going to be <laughs> I know, <laughs> everywhere. And he was like, Yeah, and I'll just laugh about it. Yeah. But there's like, uh, it's it's his catchphrase. <laughs> there's a very famous scouser getting knocked out in the UFC called Teddy Atum. Like it's a very famous knockout. Yeah, um, I got battered by some <laughs> guys a couple of years ago because I was trying to stop them hitting me little brother. Fuck. And I don't remember getting knocked out. I just remember waking up. <sighs> My shoulder was dislocated. Um, yeah, I was. I was a bit. That's the only Wait, time how, did they, out. how did they?
0: How uh, did they? They were fucking with your little brother. So it was Boxing Day,
1: <laughs> the day after Christmas, and we'd been out all day drinking. And I t- I'm talking to me- How old's your little brother? Four years younger, so he's okay. 26. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to me barber. He's just in the pub we're in, And we're just having a chat. And then, you know, when you hear a sort of problem happening, yeah. and I turn around, it's this big guy and me little brother. So I got in the middle of them and went, um, leave it. It's fucking Christmas. Pushed me brother away and went, sorry, mate. And when I put my hand on him, that was it. Oh. That was his. I was trying to calm shit down. And he took that as oh yeah yeah fuck you, and he got his hands and he did this onto me. It was like he'd been trained to knock people off balance. So he did that onto my shoulder, and all I remember is hitting the floor, and then I woke up hours later.
0: Is that the only time you're you're ever knocked out?
1: I think so. I had a lot of fights when I was a kid over like games of football and uh, everything else, and just girls and. Not with girls, but over (laughs) girls. um, I did a charity boxing match
0: a few years ago. Yeah, I feel like I saw saw Um, something about that.
1: Yeah, so... I'm not, like, the biggest fighter. Like, I don't want to fight Paddy. (laughs) But, like, if I have to,
0: then I can. (laughs) It's funny, because Paddy, too, is, like... And you probably can second this, is... He has the utmost con i he's one of the most confident people I've ever seen in my life. Like I sat with him. Now you remember his last face first his UFC debut, right? Yeah, you yeah, watched yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm sitting with him and I'm like, Patty, like, what'd you learn from that fight? He goes, nothing, mate. Like I won the fight. And I'm like, I'm like, Patty, like, there was a moment you you, you got hit, like you got a little rocked. He's like, and? And I'm and I'm like, so you can take away like maybe some defensive things? He's like, nope. <laughs> like, and but like he's uh He's a special fellow, you know? Yeah, he's... As a human being, and I think, as, as a fighter, he's obviously an unbelievable fighter, but also as a human being, I think, like, he's, he's what I love, I think, about humanity in general because he's so... He loves... He, he, he's, he's like one of us, so you know what I mean? And he's the same way he is off camera is the same exact way he's on
1: camera. 100%. He's as down... So something I don't like about myself, right, that I can't change, is when I'm around people who aren't from Liverpool my accent softens. So when I'm talking to you now- It
0: is, slows down too, yeah. I noticed.
1: So this is not how I talk yeah. to my best mate or how I'll talk to Paddy. Yeah, I, I can't help it. I've always done it. It's just a natural, almost like I'm mimicking the person I'm talking to. Obviously, I'm not doing a, a <laughs> Brooklyn, New York accent, but it's closer than my natural one right, would right, be. Right. I'm just slowing it down. And it. I think it's just from- Having to do it for work when I'm gigging in certain places that aren't used to hearing it. And in New York in particular, I have to slow down a lot. Um, Everyone thought it was Irish or Scottish.
0: Well, it's funny because I I was listening to one of your, I think it was, uh, I don't know which podcast it was. I think it might've been the the episode with Patty where you talk about like this difference. I think it was even Schultz that pointed out um, when you were on stage, when you came off stage, like like, jokes are landing different because people are not understanding
1: understanding the accent. Yeah. So when I go back to America, I'm gonna to have to work on it a lot. Um, yeah, but I feel like keep your keep. You know, what makes you so, funny is what makes you funny. Totally, and that's what I was talking about with Paddy. Is he is just him? Oh, he he doesn't soften his accents at all.
0: He's and he clapped. says and he yeah. says some weird shit where I'm like, I'm like, what did you just say?
1: Yeah, but he, he doesn't care. Oh, he, didn't he doesn't give care. a fuck. He's just like, <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah.
0: So yeah, he's as down to earth as it
1: gets. He's been. Since he came on Have a Word, our show, he's been at a couple of our live shows. He's just a, a good lad. He but he's obviously got that star quality. He's
0: he's a star. Yeah. You know it. Like, when you see him, you're like, this kid's a star. He
1: will, if he wins his next couple of fights, even though he's only three fights into his UFC career, He there will be people screaming for him to get a title shot.
0: Oh, 100%. And he he's might just, even get one because, because the, that's how the UFC works.
1: Yeah, he's got that thing that McGregor had when McGregor 100%. first broke in. It's 100%. like, no. Look, we know there's a big queue. But he's going to sell pay-per-views, and that's all people care about. Are you going on the to to the London card? I cannot tell you how devastated I
0: am. Uh, but mate, I'm going to be now. there. You yeah, going? Man, I'm going. So it's
1: I different. got offered a free ticket in oh, a box.
0: Oh, and you know, oh, and those ticket, the regular tickets are fucking expensive. Yeah. Oh, you're so a dickhead. You got the
1: the comedy club owner in Liverpool God. got a, a a box given to him Jones. as a gift um, from a promotion partner. And so he texts me, he goes, You've got a free ticket in the box here. And I've got a sold out tour show in Shrewsbury the same night. So I just want to say to the people of Shrewsbury, <laughs> if you are anything less than the best show I've ever done, I'm gonna fucking burn the town <laughs> to the ground. I was so, if you're I was any it? less professional, yeah. I would have just cancelled the gig. <laughs> I'd just been like, Look, we've all cancelled stuff throughout the pandemic, let me
0: have this. Could have put a little you could have put a little I got COVID. Don't tell anybody you're in the box. Yeah, but then I will Oh, then you get cancelled. I will canceled. Absolutely you'll get canceled. get tagged in photos.
1: Yeah, yeah. There'll be
0: someone... You can go with some... It's going to be full the, of scousers. Oh, it's, oh my There's God. There's going to be so
1: many Liverpool people there. They're going to want all this Oh, yeah. Elected. Like, I'll get tagged in by Carl and the guy who owns the club. <laughs> They'll be, like... The camera will probably pan oh, to the man. box at some point. Like, like... Something will happen. I can't do that. I want to. You, I'm telling Stewie <laughs> right now. Oh, I couldn't give less of oh, a fuck about that show, that night. but I'm doing it because I'm
0: professional. Um, that's terrible. I'm sure. You sorry. know, what you should do. What time is he? What time is your show? So the show. You could watch like it like eight. together because it's only a 15 minute fight.
1: Oh yeah, I'll watch it backstage.
0: No, no, no. Or if it's at the same time, I don't know when you go on stage. Watch it like with the with the audience. Or I don't. I don't know. Ideas. I,
1: I, I don't think you've got a good grasp on what Shrewsbury is as a town. Shrewsbury, I, I honestly don't. Is a, a middle-class where, where market know where town it is. in the Midlands. So it's oh like God. an hour and a half south of Liverpool. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's a lovely little place, but it will be full of middle-aged people who couldn't <laughs> give less of a fuck about the UFC. And if I was to go, just going to pause that one there, second and we going to watch this fight. I just need to hope. So his first fight that he had in the States... It was on a good time
0: Yeah, for you guys.
1: Yeah, because they made it UK primetime. Of course. But I was... So the place I'm going tomorrow in South Shields near Newcastle, I was there last time he fought, the place I'm going tomorrow. So I watched it backstage. I I finished the show, come backstage, and his fight was starting as I got backstage. Mm. I'm just praying that his fight this time lines up perfectly with... Well, so My he's stage, co-
0: he's co-maining. He's co-maining, and I think that it's gonna start. No, I don't think he is. He's not co-maining? I think he's the one before the co-main. Oh, really? I think so. Who's the- let's see, we'll see right now.
1: I think he couldn't, they couldn't give him the co-main on his second fight. Really?
0: Let's see. Hold on. I might be wrong. Let's see, we gotta find this out right now. I don't, even, I'm surprised they didn't even just main him. I think he didn't, I think they I- probably didn't wanna do the car. Like, it's also a different thing to, uh, fuck is this uh I mean, he
1: is the main event
0: of course he's the main event nobody else gives can... oh yeah you're right uh oh no 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 he is he's the co-main oh okay oh yeah but hooker and arnold allen could have been the co-main i'm really i always honestly surprised. i thought patty was headlining when when i first knew that like when i knew first knew he was fighting
1: there's he is in that there's going to be more people there to see him than anyone else oh 100 percent um but they can't make him the main event in his second fight.
0: And he's selling the and he's selling the patty hairs. You see that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the plate. If I see, I'm gonna look out and I see all the <laughs> patty hairs. It's gonna be electric.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, I'm just hoping for like a non fatal, like insurance job fire at the theater. <laughs> like if, if the theater I'm supposed to be doing that night. Like, if, if that just goes on fire, like next week, <laughs> on like a Tuesday morning when no one in they're it. gonna come. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is incriminating. I don't,
1: I don't want anyone hurt. Yeah. I just, I just want the facility to be unusable on Saturday the nineteenth. <laughs> and then I'll be there.
0: Wow. Fucking it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Very, very annoying. But you're a professional first and foremost. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Do were you, as a kid, were you always like the the funny kid or did you think that, did you even think you were funny?
1: Um, no, I knew I was funny because I had to be, but I wasn't even the funniest in my group of mates. I was just the most obsessed with stand-up. I Wh- just always loved stand-up. Why? Where would that come from? Me mum. So I remember the first time i ever seen any stand-up ever was I saw my mum watching Richard Pryor, and I didn't even get half of what he was saying because I was a kid, but I'd never seen me mum laugh like that Wow. She was just like, she was sat on the edge of her bed. She had a TV in her bedroom and I was sat on the floor and she was just wailing. She's just screaming and laughing. And I was just like, oh, this is good. And then I got introduced to Peter Kay um, and Lee Evans. Okay. And then after that, Jason Manford and Kevin. Jason Manford and Kevin Bridges are the two that made me think I could do it because they were too young. They both started when they were like 18 or maybe even younger. Lads from working class towns, Manchester and Glasgow. Um but the first two that I got into were Peter Kay and Lee Evans. And they were very family friendly. They swore, but they were family friendly, accessible. Okay. They'd say fucking shit and whatever, but they weren't like dropping the c bomb every third yeah. word. Yeah. Um and I understood what they were saying. So even as a kid I loved them. Mm. And then yeah, I just Like back in the DVD days before everything went streaming, I had a stack of DVDs like this. So you were obsessed.
0: Like it was like I love this shit. Yeah. yeah, But I think also now this is also just from kind of being around you for a little is like I feel like you you enjoy making the like you I think you you probably enjoy making people happy and laugh and laughter is obviously a factor in being happy. Yeah. You know, and I and I think that's a cool. I think a lot of like the top comedians. Or like that.
1: Yeah, it's like, there's no better feeling than making someone laugh. Right. Really. Unless it's sex. Like, <laughs> making someone <come. laughs> it's, it's making Um, But, like, when you're, the best way I can describe it, and this is something I struggled with throughout COVID and the pandemic and not being able to do stuff, is, you know when you're, like, anyone who does, like, an office job who's watching... You know, when you step around the water cooler or you're in the kitchen, you're getting a coffee or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're with like three of your colleagues and you say something and they all go, ha. <laughs> yeah. And you have got that little warm right. feeling. You're like, oh, I made, yeah. I made John, Kevin, Sarah yeah. laugh. <laughs> Aren't I really funny? Yeah. We get that every night for a very intense hour right. from hundreds or thousands of people. So, like the venue I'm doing in Glasgow this week, it only holds 200 people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to do like four or five dates here on the tour because we're just selling it, and it, I love it up here. And there's an affinity between Glasgow and Liverpool, which helps sell more here as well. Um, so 200 people last night, and every time I said something that was meant to be funny, most of the 200 people, they laugh and they clap, and right. you're getting that for a full hour. It is impossible psychologically for me to replicate that. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of, when I do the podcast, it's no different to me and you sat here now. Although, like, we've got, I think we're doing a quarter of a million downloads a week at the minute. Right? That's impressive. Across YouTube and the audio downloads. Right? So there's a quarter of a million people who we're making laugh, but we can't hear them. That's such a weird thing when you think about it. So we're getting the messages from people going, oh, I love it, I love it. it." And that's all great, but nothing beats the live laugh. Right, And it's impossible during lockdowns and right. not being able to do stand-up to get it back. Yeah, So it was like telling a crackhead to quit cold turkey. <laughs> you just took yeah. someone's crack off them and you're like, yeah. you can't have that anymore. Yeah. You can have it back one day, maybe, if this all goes away, but no crack for you. It was very hard psychologically for comedians.
0: But it's also interesting because for you in your case specifically is that that's when you started the podcast. And yeah. in other ways, you were like, wait, this is kind of taking off too yeah so that so but like but I understand what you're saying like you you weren't hearing you're not hearing the laughs
1: yeah but like the it's two completely different things yeah it's different so the the podcast is great for like long term success and building a fan base and I'll forever be grateful for it and i adore doing it it's one of my favourite things to do right but it's still not crack cocaine (laughs) yeah do you know what I mean yeah you can give an addict methadone yeah and they'll be like "All right, okay kind of cool but I'm still missing the thing Interesting. The podcast was, is amazing. I love doing yeah. it. But we were saying before, I'm a comedian that does a podcast. Right. I'm not a podcaster that yeah. does stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, first and foremost, my first love, the first thing I've always wanted to do, and the one thing I know I'll do forever is stand-up. I will die on stage.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That feel like, And that's the mentality that a lot of the greats, when you listen to them speak, that they approach it with.
1: Yeah. I have a I have trouble with, like, producers of, like, the TV industry over here where they're like, this is a big difference between the States and over here as yeah. well. They're like, so what are you using stand-up for? What do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to do more stand-up. Yeah. And they're like, you don't want to host a TV show? I'm like, well, I will if it'll sell more stand-up tickets. Right. In America, that stand-up is the goal. Like, everyone does a yeah. bit of acting. They might host the odd thing. it is interesting. Stand-up is the thing that the comics want to be. There's a lot of people over here who get into comedy to get an acting job, or they get into comedy to get a, mm. a panel show job, or they get in comedy to get a TV presenting job. They don't really care about comedy and stand up and
0: creating a legacy with it. For yourself, um, what is like the ultimate measuring stick, or or perhaps like when you think about uh, your own personal goals, like what is it that would make you truly satisfied? Because you draw, you you strike me as someone who like can appreciate the success, mm-hmm. but also that like you're you want to keep going, you want to take it to new levels. Um. So the biggest thing for me
1: is peer recognition.
0: Okay, interesting. So
1: all the comedians that I think are good, thinking I'm good. If I think so, you're looking shit, for that validation.
0: Then, yeah, yeah.
1: If I think someone's shit, I don't really I don't care what they think. Yeah. but like. A great comic telling me they think I'm great I mean, or even good, I mean, that, that's, that does me for a long time. Interesting. So my eventual goal is I, I just want to be remembered as someone who was great at it by people who were great at it mm. as well as audiences. I'm not, like, disregarding the impact of audiences. They're the ones who buy the tickets and right. stuff. But someone who knows the game and knows the ins and outs and can watch it as an analyst of it as well as a fan of it and still think it's good... That holds so much more value to me. Interesting. And I'm not talking about reviewers when I say as an analyst. I'm talking about people who do this. Who do this And they can see what I've done. They can see where I've built a joke from and why I've took it there before. I've brought it back there before I send it over there. Interesting. People who know what I'm doing and the ins and outs of of it to go, oh, shit, that's good.
0: But in a lot of ways, that's also – I could imagine that that could be potentially scary giving so much of your, um, you know, perhaps – I don't want to say self-worth is not the right word but like of your personal success or happiness is placed in the in the possession of your peers. You know what I mean? No, because
1: I'm not I'm not asking them, right, to rate me as I am. Right. I'm working to get better so that they rate me as I'm going to be. Okay. Like it's still in my hands as far as I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. I've got to get better to get that recognition. Right. And I can do that and can get good enough right. that people I think are great think I'm great. So I'm not handing it to anyone. It's right. still in my hands. Right. And I just know if I keep working as hard as I am that eventually everyone who I rate will rate me. And I'm already, like I, we had a couple of comedians at the show last night who would had a night off and they live local yeah. and they came down. Uh, Mark Nelson and Kai Humphreys, who I, I think both of them are fucking brilliant and them coming down just w- coming down to watch the show at all is right, a, right, a right, massive right. honour and then to stick around afterwards and be like fuck me that was great that, that is, is awesome. just great for me yeah um, and you know a couple of the big American guys who've seen me do my stuff and said that they like it I'm like yeah yeah like I'm on the right track
0: what is for you what is getting better when you talk about the craft itself what does that look like
1: um, being a bit braver, Interesting. Be, being willing to take an audience somewhere they really don't want to go before I bring them back. Interesting. So that, that thing I said before of presenting them with an idea that they a. don't a. like a. and then justifying it. I think I should be taking a couple of the ideas a little bit further first, further into the, here's something I said you don't like, here's something I said you really don't like, here's something you really, really don't so like. So
0: starting with like the, the most extreme.
1: Not even starting with it, just going there at all. Okay. Just getting, okay, I understand. And just pushing an audience beyond their comfort zone, knowing I've got this skill and ability to bring it back and trusting myself to do it. Well, it's also,
0: yeah, that's interesting. Because when you think about it, that's really what the best of the best do.
1: Yeah, and that's why I want to do it. Because the people I consider the best, that's what they
0: do. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in US Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass fed and grass finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture raised heritage pork, wild caught seafood and pasture raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com, where the owners are the actual farmers themselves, and now they've introduced a subscription Now let's get back into it. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? In terms of like, the best, some of the best comedy is take is 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 how much can I push that button? It's because the the more you fill a balloon
1: before you pierce it, the louder the bang. Mm. Right. So if if we had a balloon now and I go and it's like this big yeah. and I pop it, it's nothing and that the 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 air you blow into the balloon in comedy is the tension you put in the room yeah so the more tension you put in yeah when you relieve it when you relieve the tension yeah that's it that's the pop like literally it, it, yeah it's literally the pop it's the bang
0: it's the oh it was yeah. all fine
1: all along right if you don't put as much tension in the room it, the, it's the so interesting not as bad. it's
0: so interesting that like the that that correlation of tension and laughter yeah you know what I mean? Where because like, people don't really think about it like that. When they think about it, they're laughing, I'm like, I'm laughing. When I'm laughing really hard, I'm just thinking about how funny whatever it is I'm laughing at. Yeah. But it's really because it comes from a place of like, I'm I'm going to, a, to I'm going to a different place. Yeah. But it's interesting psychologically. It, this
1: is not how all comedy works. It's just yeah, how right. the type of comedy right. I'm talking about works. Yeah. And the more you give the, and at the minute I'm probably blowing the balloon halfway.
0: <laughs> oh, you feel like you're only going but you know, there's another. So, like, op- is, is like the WhatsApp group chats where you're like blowing all the way.
1: It, it's not it, the WhatsApp group chats Isn't more tension. The WhatsApp group is just more <laughs> horrific <laughs> shit. It's The worst <laughs> thing humans ever say out loud to anyone. Never mind. Yeah, um, the 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 tension thing is just. So, like the terrorism bit, I've got at the minute. Yeah. I take it to a certain point. Be you feel you go further? I think I could. So, there's I explore sort of the racism element of how people react right. when terror attacks happen right. people wanting to be racist mm-hmm. who use it and then people who want to be seen as anti-racist right, right. also use terror attacks right. to their advantage. I'm only blowing that, I know I'm only blowing that balloon half oil.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know I could make it Damn. bigger. But I just haven't Figured out a way to do it that I'm brave enough to blow the balloon up more
0: yet. So what do you think? Okay, so where do you think that lack, I don't want to say lack of, of courage. It's not lack of courage. But, like, where do you feel like you, why aren't you brave enough, if you will?
1: I I don't know a perfect answer for this. I think it's just trusting myself. Like, I'm by the end of this tour, I might blow that balloon up. Yeah. All the way. Like, every night I take it a little bit. You try to push it a little bit. Yeah, it? I
0: just don't want the balloon to pop in my but face. But do, do you really think that if someone's paying their hard-earned money to come see you on a night, that, like, even if you go to a dark place, they're going to be like, oh, oh my, Adam pushed it tonight. Um, Right. So, so first of all, some people would. but that's You think f- so?
1: Yeah, they would. Oh, okay. So, cause it's fa- and that's fine. Because, you know, I, I'm not a comedian who says people should never be upset by jokes. Yeah. You can be. Yeah. I don't think you should expect anyone to give a shit. Yeah. But, like, you can be. I could get away with it with my crowd. Right. However, here's a sort of policy I've got. Okay. I test all my jokes in front of not my crowd. Oh, interesting. Because I want it to be good. I don't just want it to be sycophantic laughter. Right, what one show audience sort of the like you, you can get away with more. Right, right, right. Interesting. And there's definitely a, there's a couple of things that I will do on stage if it's in front of my that I won't do in front of a, a club audience. And by club audience, I mean someone who's gone to a comedy club. Right. They don't really know who's on. They're just going for the comedy club and whoever's on is on. Right. Okay. Right. So if you think about like the comedy seller in New York, yeah, they won't really even look at the lineup. They'll just book because it's the comedy of seller. They trust the comedy seller to book a good lineup, and they don't really know who's on yeah. and, and what they're doing. Right. Um. I want my stuff to work in front of people who don't know me. Interesting, because when I put the special out, it's going to be shown to people who don't know me. That's interesting.
0: It's got to work. Wear- yeah, but then, but then, I feel like you're still, in a way, you're not hitting all of the reasons why at people love Adam Rowe. I like, I, you know what I mean. I feel like you're because you're, you're still like, I don't know. This is just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. You know what I mean? Yeah, but. If you just so here's what I've noticed, and this is
1: definitely a thing in the UK, and it's certain. This is one of the reasons America is ahead of us in terms of the top tier of comedian. Okay, right. In the UK, when comedians are about to go on tour, they often do work in progress runs right to their own crowd. So they'll hire out small art centers. Okay, I see right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go to these art centers before they go on their big theatre tour, and they try the jokes it's out. Right, yeah, and that show is never, ever, ever as good as the first one they ever put out. Because the first one they ever put out, they've normally worked for 10 years in comedy clubs Mm -hmm. to be given the opportunity to get on TV, sell tickets, tape a special, put it out. Mm -hmm. So it's a 10-year sort of catalogue of work Mm -hmm. that they've honed in front of people who do not know who the fuck they are. And it's fire and it's tight. Mm -hmm. Once they've already got fans, your fans already like you. So you will get a 10 out of 10 laugh out of your own fans for a 7 out of 10 joke. Mm-hmm. You'll get a 9 out of 10 laugh for a 6 out of 10 joke. You'll get three extra points from your own audience. So if I they see. just work out their new stuff, it's sort of like the maximum they can be is a 7 out of 10 show. Mm-hmm. So the new people who find their second or third or fourth special before the first one will not be as impressed mm-hmm. because it's not as good stuff. So I want to work it in front of people who don't know me, mm-hmm. make it a ten out of ten laugh, and then it absolutely blows the socks off your fans. Yeah, that's interesting. And then when it goes out as a special and people who don't know you find it, right. they're still impressed by it. I I don't just want to be successful; I want to be good. Yeah, I don't just want it to
0: work; right. I want it to be good. Right, and that's and I think because you have that mentality is why both can be yeah work together. Yeah. But the, you
1: you have to do it that way around to get both. Right,
0: right, 100%.
1: Because you can get lazy if you don't grab Whereas in the States, like, so Bill Bear's last special, Paper Tiger, yeah. he taped in London. You, you opened for him, didn't you? I opened there. Yeah. The week after, he was back at LA at the store.
0: Yeah, I know they have that mentality. It's a grind mentality. Yeah. That, and that's look, why that that they're the best. Our best comedians will take a year off. And they are going, yeah. And I don't get it. But that's that's. But I
1: do get it because they're happy, they're making a lot of money, yeah. and they don't, they're they like, I'm making loads of money, it's yeah. fine. I'm half French, so it's
0: the same thing. They just go on fucking vacation. <laughs> it's, it's like you work to, you, yeah, yeah, it's different.
1: Like, it's a totally different thing, and I will never, like, I understand taking a week or two off, going on yeah, holiday, do sure. what you need to do, a month maybe. But then get back in the gym and work out.
0: How else do you kind of keep your mind sharp? I mean, you got to, like, do you take some moments for yourself to also kind of soak it in, but also just like, you know, keep your mentals I'm getting better at that. So I didn't used to. Uh, I used to just be work, 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 Mm -hmm. work,
1: work, 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 just constantly focusing on the next thing. But the success of Have a Word, our podcast, and um, the success of this tour and things going well, I do just take a few moments every now and then now to just be like, hang on don't just worry about what's coming next Mm -hmm. just enjoy where you are and be if i stay exactly where i am forever now be happy with that Mm because it's still pretty fucking incredible yeah um and i've also started just taking days and time off for myself yeah like just going and taking a spa day on my own and just swimming sauna (laughs) getting a massage back in the pool yeah like I did that yesterday before I came here. Oh, nice. Yeah. I just went to the Model Hotel in Edinburgh and just booked a massage, oh, booked access to the spa. Literally f- just sat there for three hours just on my own. Jesus. And j- just the silence, <sighs> the odd scroll on my phone, just
0: great. Is um, And I'm also curious, and you talked about another podcast, only the only reason I'm bringing it up, um, that you recently single.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm curious as to like... Obviously, you don't have to go into details, but like kind of balancing because you're you're you have a workman mentality. And I think that that's why you are having the success and will continue to have the success that you do. The balance between, you know, work life, personal life. um, And I think like and how important do you like, you know, how important is the career uh, while also having a significant other for yourself? Okay, so. ooh. In the most recent
1: relationship I had, I feel like I got the balance pretty good. But I also think that was aided by the pandemic, which we'll come back to. The relationship I had before that, which was a lot longer than the most recent Mm -hmm. one, I don't think I was a great boyfriend. Okay. I think I was... I expected her to just accept that I was very career-driven, and if I had to cancel plans to go and do an important gig, she had to accept that. Interesting. Now... I was very upfront about that at the start. Mm. I was very like, look, this is what I do. This is how I approach it. This is what it's going to be like. By being with me, you're signing your life over to me as copyright material. Mm. Yeah, yeah. uh, And I am going to work, and I am going to take every opportunity given to me because I've worked for a long time to make this possible. I was upfront about it, but that still doesn't make me a good boyfriend. Mm. I was honest, but that's still not good. Interesting. Um, The most recent girl... How long what, were you guys together for? 12? A year, just okay. under a year. So um, we uh, we started in lockdown, in lockdown
0: three. Okay. Oh, yeah, you guys said like you're different. Yeah. You had a million lockdowns.
1: So we um, the first four months, we were locked down. So we seen a lot of each other. Yeah. Um, she basically moved in quite quickly. Like she just didn't go home. And I didn't want to go home because then I'd have been in my house on my own texting her while she was in yeah, yeah. her parents house and it just so we moved very quickly and she basically moved in and then when we come out i started working again but i told her at least one weekend a month i will keep for me and her because okay. i finally had the financial freedom to do that to because do that, yeah. the podcast was making money yeah um and we went on trips and whatever and i took her with me to some weekends mm-hmm. away when i was gigging away do you want to come with me mm-hmm. if she wasn't working or whatever so I, I was getting that balance right. I think now, so this tour's quite big.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Started in February, runs till the end of June. There's a couple of weekends off in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good time for me to have become single. I didn't want to be, obviously. Um, but we, we had a problem. I had to break up with it. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Um, that runs to June. In July and August, it's, there's a potential that I'm going to be in the States mm-hmm. uh, and maybe Canada for a bit. And so I'm going to be away for another month. And then when we come back, I've got to start writing the next tour show. Right. Um, I think I'll be single for a little while now mm. um, because I need, I've put myself in a position to over a decade of work and now the podcast giving me a profile, which is attractive to bookers and TV people right. and whatever that I need to use the opportunities I've been given. Right. But I am also a family man. Mm-hmm. I'm a family person. And I sort of want me cake and eating it in the too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to have this huge yeah. career whilst also having a family and yeah. success and stuff. So I don't think it'll be too long before I start being like, you know what? I could probably settle down, mm-hmm. meet a girl, see how it's going. And I also know myself pretty well. If yeah. I really like someone, then I can't turn it yeah. off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a very, very, very it's difficult hard. balance to find. Yeah. And a lot of comedians end up divorced, and a lot of musicians end up divorced, and anyone who's on the road ends up divorced. But there is exceptions to every rule. Yeah. And I think it's just about giving your partner, making them not feel like they're a second fiddle to your career, right. but also still having a lot of time for your career.
0: Do you think that being honest about that right in the beginning is... Like is that something that you think about or like in the future that you'll actively do to make to, to, to make to set that expectation, I guess?
1: Yeah. yeah. So if I ever seen something going somewhere with a girl, like where we're gonna end up in a relationship mm-hmm. and whatever, I would be like, Look, my career is this. It's so important to me. I need someone who's gonna support it. Right. But by you supporting it, you will get a lot of boyfriend out of me. Mm. You'll get a very supportive partner who is there as often as he possibly can be. Right. And you just need to be safe in the knowledge that I'm working for both of us. Yeah. And I'm not saying they the partner I'm with can't work and have their own. I'd right, right, right. much prefer to be yeah. meet someone who's just as driven right. in whatever they're passionate about. Like be someone passionate about what they do is one of the most Extremely attractive, attractive things. Yeah. Um I'll support you, you support me, let's yeah. be a team. Right. And everything I'm doing is not just for my legacy, but so that right. we can have a pretty incredible lifestyle. Right. Right. Um, and anyone who doesn't understand that—it's probably not the right one. It's not. Yeah, that's you couldn't put it any better. If they don't get what I'm doing yeah. and what I'm trying to do, then we're never going to work anyway.
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like I think, like the older I get, the more I try to adapt that mentality. Yeah. And instead of like trying to change people, you're not going to change people.
1: No, you shouldn't want to, so and exa- exactly, you don't want to. Like the the one way to make sure someone uh, behaves in the way you don't want them to is to ask them not to behave. Well, exa- way. exactly, like exactly.
0: That's why I was always like the kids that had the parents, the strictest parents, are the yeah. kids that are doing yeah. the most drugs.
1: A hundred percent.
0: That's not... you. You
1: just need someone who gets you. You get them, and you're willing to accept each other's lifestyles. Um, and trying to force anything else. So there's an amazing. Yeah, do you know
0: Daniel Sloss? I do. I love, I I saw his Netflix special. I love it.
1: So I don't know which one of his Netflix specials it is. I think it's, I think he called it Jigsaw.
0: I think that's the one I saw. What was the other one? I think it might have just been Daniel Sloss Live. Okay, yeah. then I think I saw the Jigsaw one.
1: So his analogy in Jigsaw, and I apologize to Daniel, not that he will watch this, um, but he, uh, for sort of, go and watch Daniel Sloss Jigsaw, pause it here, go and watch his yeah. way of doing it, and, <laughs> and come back. back and watch me ruin it. <laughs> so his analogy of um, your life is a jigsaw, but you've lost the box, so you don't know what it's meant yeah. to look like. So you end up putting all the corner pieces in first, yeah. and then there's yeah, a big right. hole in the middle. And because you're looking from a distance at someone else's, you're like, oh, theirs looks more complete than mine, I need yeah. to hurry up. Yeah. Yeah. And you tend to put a relationship in the middle, but to do it, you take out bits of you. You take out a friend or a hobby or whatever. He's like, yeah. well actually, yeah. you're supposed to find the piece that just mm-hmm. fits.
0: Yeah, it's well said. It's brilliant. It's,
1: it's, it's so good. Yeah, and he's he's caused sort of like ten thousand breakups and <laughs> genuinely, like he he had a tally at one point. It's like over ten thousand breakups, hundreds of um wow, like uh cancelled engagements
0: and. <laughs> wonder what, do what, 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 what does he
1: say about that? <laughs> he's made up because he thinks it's he thinks he's doing God's work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he is. Wow. Uh Jigsaw and Dark is the other one. Jigsaw Tally. hundred and twenty thousand breakups, three hundred divorces. Both with plus after it.
0: Wow. Hey, you know, maybe he is doing God's work.
1: As long as those people are happier now,
0: then he's done something right. I always like to end my episodes with, and you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but, to, you know, obviously you're going to have a lot of healthy life ahead of you. <laughs> but when it's all said and done, legacy-wise, um, obviously the way, you know, your peers see you is is important. But, like, as a, as a man as a comedian as a whatever roles that you continue to adapt into how do you hope that people remember Adam Rowe when it's all said and done he was sound
1: like he helped his mates out he did everything for everyone that he could and he called cunts out on being cunts (laughs) that's a good one like sound to sound people and an absolute bell end to bell ends if you're a knobhead I would treat you like one (laughs) And if you're just sound and polite and whatever, you'll get whatever you want out of me. And that's how I'd like to be remembered. Simple enough. Mm.
0: Beautiful. Well, Adam, thank you so much for, for, for taking the time. I, really that. I do. And, uh, I mean, I feel like I talked to you for hours. We, I, I, we're on, we're on a crunch, but, um, you know, and I hope that, uh, hope the next time you're out in New York, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see and you I'll wherever, drop you wherever. Yeah. And, uh, maybe get you in my studio in, in New York, but, um, I'm I'm excited for you just because I think that like I love when people that love what they do and are genuine about it and um, I think have all the right working intentions and then all the right human intentions as well. When all of it's kind of coming together because you deserve it, you know what I mean. And I think that the success that you're continuing to have and will continue to have is all you. You you deserved every ounce of it, and you're humble, so you 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 might not say it in that way, but I think that like. You know, I'm I'm as as someone from the outside looking in, it's uh and just, you know, going over your work and in preparations for this. It's I'm very excited for you and
1: I appreciate that a lot. I'm smart on it, like as there, there isn't there is an element of uh, humbleness in, in some ways, but I am I'm very conscious yeah. that I've put a lot of work in to make things 100%. happen. And everything that has come I've had some opportunities that have been given to me by gatekeepers, you know, a bit of T V and stuff. But every, all the major things mm-hmm. have come from making good and smart decisions yep. at the right time and shouting about them while I'm doing mm-hmm. it. So I am conscious of that and I'm very proud and I don't shy away from the fact right. it, even though everyone wants to be humble in some regards I don't shy away from the fact that I've worked for it because right. I want every other comedian to mm-hmm. take control of their own career and do their own thing the same way I have and Schultz has and every other comedian who's going for it and going now here's me special. Mm-hmm. Here's eight clips. Here's me podcast. Here's this. Here's a sketch I made. Make your own stuff. Put it out. Ask your mates to give it a, a yep. share for you. And what? Just things just get better. Pick yeah. Good. There's a. The internet is full of content now, mm-hmm. but cream always rises to the top. Yep. There's nothing stopping the best reaching the top. If you make good stuff consistently, people will see it. You'll get noticed,
0: and there's nothing in your way anymore enough said lovely beautiful well that's it but uh thank you again seriously thanks very much mate